Okay. Right. So is this going to be kind of like the kind of like the Joey and Phoebe in Friends? With the... <laughs> <laughs> I was literally I was literally thinking about that. No, my... I'm going to be better than that. Go ahead. Okay. Okay. So then, how about? Oh, we can just learn to say he said, she said. <gasps> okay. How about that? Okay. So, he said is il a dit. Il a dit. Elle a dit. <laughs> Il a dit, elle a dit. <laughs> Why that's making me laugh? So, il a dit, elle a dit. Il, How's the second part? Elle a dit. Elle a dit. Yes. Il a dit, elle a dit. Why does it sound so much better when you say I it? Don't, I don't know. Um, I guess. Il a dit, I'd like to buy an hamburger. I worked on that. I would like to buy an hamburger. That's Pink Panther, right? Yes. Yeah. For sure. Steve Martin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Always and forever. Okay. Hi, I'm Melinda Poitras, and you're listening to He Said, She Said, The One with Books and Bros. I'm so excited because I actually have a bro here today, and I think we may even talk about some books, which would be very on topic, which does not happen often. I am going to let Christopher Brainos tell you about himself, but one of the things that I want to say is that I love and have loved for as long as I can remember to talk to Christopher because he is so smart and so sharp, like at all times. So I'm very excited that you're going to be able to hear some of that today. And welcome to the podcast, Christopher Brinos. Thank you. It's been a bucket list item since you released it. <laughs> for so long. For so long. <laughs> like for my entire life, I've been dreaming of this <laughs> moment. Sharp and sarcastic, but it's fine. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your family. So, um, I, like Melinda, am an MK. Um, My parents are missionaries to France. Um, They've been missionaries since I was, oh geez, uh, 12 or 13. So, and I am older than 12 or 13 so (laughs) and i i i had i had a little bit of a moment of like rejoicing and also crisis when i crossed the point where i had been an mk longer than i wasn't an Mm. mk um that didn't happen for me at seven weeks old so it was Mm -hmm. yep (laughs) uh different so i had a little bit of a moment of crisis but no no i'll be i'll actually be 30 a week from today so um yeah so i grew up uh more or less in France, uh, and just, I mean, it's France, so you can't not be kind of totally captured by it, but mm-hmm. I just fell in love with everything about it, um, the, the people, the, yeah. the history, the culture, the food, mm-hmm. everything about it, and so since, since then, um, my life has just been kind of defined, one, by being a missionary kid, and two, by the, the journey of getting back, uh, getting back home. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, when I came back from France, I came to St. Louis to go to Gateway and I went there for a year and then it closed mm-hmm. and then it reopened as Urshan. And so I went to Urshan college <laughs> and graduated. I was part of the first graduating class of Urshan college and then went on to Urshan graduate school, uh, and got my, and got my master's. Um, I did a, a little aim stint while I was in my master's program, used that as my internship. Um, 
then came back to the to the U.S. in January of 2016 from that AIM stint, and then in May I graduated one weekend and then got married the next weekend, mm-hmm. um, and then spent the next week and a half at Disney World. So that was pretty <laughs> fantastic. Um, so I've been married to my wife Mariah uh, for almost five years now, and we have two kids. Arissa Beth will be three in oh goodness, like two and a half weeks she'll be three and then maverick just turned one uh um, at the end of december and he was actually born in france while we were on aim so we spent the last almost year and a half on aim in nice in the south of france um and now we are back in the u.s uh fundraising and getting ready hopefully to head back soon um and our goals to to teach plant new churches just do whatever we can yeah, those so. are good those are good goals i would think yep yeah why don't um, you tell us a little bit about being a girl dad specifically about being a girl dad mm-hmm. okay so <clears throat> being being a girl dad is is interesting um although honestly i had I, this may be normal it may not be normal but i like had more like internal panic about being a boy dad than <laughs> okay. about being a girl dad just be- because I mean I feel like there's a lot more there's a lot more um a lot more pressure of being a boy dad because it's like this is what he is going to be this is this mm-hmm. is how he's going to be because I mean I I look in the mirror some mornings and have to do a double take because I <laughs> because I think that I'm seeing my dad in the mirror and mm-hmm. so I'm mm-hmm. like that's going to happen to my son one day. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I I don't know. I think a lot of maybe a lot of guys do have more panic about being a girl dad because it's like, "Oh, it's a girl. What am I supposed to do?" Um but I kind of didn't I kind of didn't really didn't really deal with that. Mm-hmm. Like I I love being I love being a girl dad. Mm-hmm. Um but it's probably because I have the best girl hmm. to be a dad to. Um, she's so full of like so much personality, like more personality than you could possibly imagine. Um, the other night she was getting ready for bed and uh, she's stalling, of course. So she says, no, daddy, let's play. You be the king and I'll be the princess. And so I said, okay, I am the king. I declare it is time for the princess to go to bed. And she just kind of turns around and looks at me and she goes, no, daddy, that is not appropriate for children. I can't. It's like, okay, well then. I cannot. But, but yeah, she's, she is the, she's the, a, I guess you would say a stereotypical girl, mm-hmm. um, which we we kind of initially went into parenting with the whole mentality of like we're not going to enforce we're not going to like enforce strict gender roles or mm-hmm. we're not going to to say you can only play with these toys right. and you can't play with these toys, which we don't. But it's been interesting because she's still like just. Mm-hmm went straight to princesses and everything sparkly and she loves it and I love that she loves it so Mm -hmm. um I I think Disney princesses get kind of a bad rap when it comes to (laughs) when it comes to raising little girls because everybody wants to say they want to say oh it's unrealistic expectations Mm -hmm. they're it's um 
it teaches girls unhealthy ways of thinking of what they should look like and what they should act like and things like that. And, and, but honestly, watching my two slash three year old watch every single princess movie in existence, I'm convinced that a lot of that has to just be people projecting because when my, when my daughter watches Disney movies, she does not come away with unrealistic expectations about what she should be. When she watches, when she watches um, Brave, she doesn't call it Brave. She calls it Brave Merida, hmm. because to her Merida is brave, and she says, "I'm going to be Brave Merida. I'm Brave Merida." And when she wa- and when she watches Moana, she says, "I am. I am Moana of Montanui. I am strong Moana." Hmm. And it, it, so she comes. She comes away from watching these movies not with this not with this idea of i of i have to be i have to be a princess and depend on a man but she comes mm-hmm. away from these movies she's picking up on on who on who they are and on their strengths and on their yeah. character and their identity so she's coming away learning that she learning to emulate that she is brave and that she is and that she is strong and yes, that she's beautiful because mm-hmm. she is beautiful. Yeah, but that's not all that she's getting that she's getting out of it. And I think that for me, as a girl dad, I I just I want to I, I want to affirm that mm. and and just kind of teach her that it is okay to want to be a princess. Yeah, and it is okay to be a princess. But know that princesses are not just princesses. That's not all that they they are. They are accomplished. Yeah. Okay, we're going to pretend like you did not know that that was going to make me cry, first <laughs> of all. Uh, I just... Uh, that's not appropriate for children. I can't. Her vocabulary... I knew that, like, any child of you and your wives would have, like, an amazing vocabulary. Also goes without saying that any child that you guys raise will have um, a unique way of looking at the world and a global mindset. So I kind of wanted to talk about that a little bit. What does it mean to you to be a global Christian and to raise global Christians? Yes. Um, So, I mean, obviously, I growing up as as an MK and being involved in missions myself, obviously I see... Like, I, I see the idea of being a global Christian as being involved in the global church. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I see it as, like, I, I am connected to the global church. I'm part of and involved in. And, I mean, it's like Paul says in First Corinthians, when one member rejoices, all the members rejoice with it. When one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. So part of being a global Christian is that when any any member of the global church is rejoicing or suffering i am rejoicing and suffering with mm. them but but i mean the word but the word global like when you say the word global mm-hmm. you have like you instantly get this mental picture of a globe right and think of global in terms of of the world exactly but but there's another way of looking at the word global um where it's more like a a universal Christian or something can be like something can be a 
it, it like Im, like something can impact a country a, a a company globally and it means that it impacts everything about the company mm. and so to me being a global christian means that christianity is global in my life okay so hmm. it think so think in terms of when Jesus tells the disciples in Matthew twenty eight nineteen, go and make disciples of all nations. Go there is is better translated as you go. So it's not just a directive to get from point A to point B yeah. and make disciples once you arrive at point B. But it's as you make the journey from one place to another, make disciples as you go. Every experience, that everything that happens in your life is a disciple-making opportunity. Not just when you get from A to B, but when you stop at the gas station along the way to fill up with gas, yeah. make disciples. When you when you go through the McDonald's drive through or through Starbucks, make disciples as you go. This is your responsibility. So for me, that's what being a global Christian is: is that I'm a I'm not just a Christian to reach the globe, mm. but everything about me, my my globe, my personal globe, is Christian. Mm. Is defined by being Christ like. And and so as far as raising global Christians, it comes down to, I mean, it comes down to what the what the Hebrews were commanded to do to tell their kids every day, the hero Israel, the Lord yeah. our God is one Lord. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Yeah. And then Jesus adds on to it and says, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So every night when we when we say. The kids' prayers before they go to bed, my my wife ends their prayers and says, and help me to always love Jesus and people. Hmm. And I, I mean, that's what being a, a global Christian is, is always loving Jesus and people. I did not know you were going to preach on this podcast, so there's also that. This is why I love to talk to you and just the unique brilliant godly way that you look at things is always coming through in any conversation which reminds me you were talking to me when we first uh got together tonight about change resistance and some thoughts <clears throat> you've been having about that and i would love for you to share that yeah. here okay so um oh goodness yeah obviously i mean like being back in being back in the in the u.s right now mm -hmm. um but working to get back overseas like there's kind of a whole a whole transition thing happening and, yeah. and personal change and things like that. And so it just, it just made me kind of, kind of think of, um, think of, of change and, and, and not even necessarily specifically change because everybody knows change is, change is difficult. Um, and change is the one thing that, that will always be the same. The one thing that will never <laughs> change is the it's, fact that yeah. there will always be change. Yeah. And everybody knows that change is difficult and change is, um, uncomfortable but what but one thing that i that i've been noticing um and i don't know if i would say that it's even necessarily like in the church or among a particular generation or anything like that but mm -hmm. one thing that i've just been noticing a lot um on social media because that's where we learn everything um is that there are 
is that so many people right now seem to be terrified and very resistant to um to progress and to yeah. moving forward and uh, i'll just go ahead and caveat and say that i'm not it's not political commentary right. i'm not mm-hmm. talking about mm-hmm. political political progress or what may be defined as political progress or anything like that but just progress in general people have just seem to be having a hard time um I guess okay. So I I just remembered what really made me start thinking about it. Um, and you can delete this if it's not appropriate for a podcast or appropriate for children. Um, but it so it was when um, youth ministries released the video about uh, about move the mission mm-hmm. um, about she's for Christ becoming move the mission, mm-hmm. and I just I saw so many people just like very resistant to to right. the name change right. and like well, why why did we need to why did we need to change the name like why and side note i just want to say like do children the children that are actively raising money for she's for christ right now do they know what a sheep is, is? Yes. <laughs> exactly. yes no, no they we've don't had, no we've had that conversation <laughs> my wife and i've had that conversation they don't. more than once but yeah but it was like so much of the feedback about this was mm-hmm. was why why do we need why do we need to change the name why did there need to be a why did there need to be a name change Mm -hmm. and and i'm thinking about it and i'm like okay so in the last like less than 10 years the average annual amount that this program is raising has like more than doubled like it's grown exponentially there's so much momentum and forward progress Mm -hmm. right and forward progress right now why are why are we why are so many people resistant right, to that? Exactly. So that's kind of what really got me thinking about the whole mm-hmm. idea of of resisting progress like right. that. And um, we will not so, delete that. I we, support the GYD. Okay, uh, go ahead. <laughs> all right. Um, no. So it made it made me think about a couple of years ago when I was um, the teaching assistant for uh, biblical interpretation at um, at UGST. And there was a a student in the class, and I was tutoring her, working with her, um, to, trying to help her like understand some of these concepts about interpreting the Bible, things like that. And and she had she had one of those aha moments where it's like, oh, I understand this, and so it was like, yes, that's so exciting. But like that was crushed because as soon as she realized it, she just got like this panicked look on her face and just looks at me and goes. I've been teaching my church wrong for years. And and like that that progress in that moment like crushed her. Mm-hmm. And and I mean I don't I don't know. I don't know that she even went on to take any more classes after that because um because what happened is what happens so often when we encounter change, growth, progress. It, it it's uncomfortable, yeah. Because we're we're designed for change to make us uncomfortable. Because mm-hmm. it, as primitive human beings, safety and security was the was the only need that mattered, right. and so anything that disrupted that was a cause for panic so we're we're hardwired to be uncomfortable in mm-hmm. in change situations but uh, 
But I think what happens so often is that we kind of look at change as, or look at progress as undermining what has happened in the past or overshadowing what's happened, Mm -hmm. uh, what's happened in the past or making it seem like what's happened in the past is no longer relevant or doesn't matter. So are there people like, are there people who are feeling like because she's for Christ has now moved the mission that the people who had the vision for she's for Christ are irrelevant and don't matter anymore. Or that all of the people who raised money for She's for Christ and did She's for Christ walkathons and all that, that their efforts don't matter anymore. That's not true. No, no. That's not the case. Those contributions are still valid. But that's what formed the, that built the foundation for for progress mm-hmm. and for moving forward. And and I think that it's just a matter of we, of needing to have a healthy relationship with the past. Because being too rooted in nostalgia mm-hmm. can completely stop forward progress. Right. And at the but at the same time, completely abandoning and tossing aside everything that happened in the past leaves you with no foundation right. for moving forward in, in the future. Mm-hmm. And that's I mean, that's one of the to get political for a second, that's one of the problems with cancel culture. Mm-hmm. is the is the fact that once you remove everything that you don't like society has nothing is built on nothing it's built on you and your generation and when you're gone the next generation has nothing to remember because they will cancel you just like you canceled yes. the people who came before you yeah and that's why it's it's it, an unhealthy relationship with the past in either direction is what creates is what creates extremism. So on one hand, you have people who want to glorify and relive the past. That's not healthy. On the other hand, you have people who want to pretend the past never happened. That's not healthy either. Mm-hmm. But not knowing how to properly relate to the past and properly recognize the past, I think is why there's so much resistance specifically to progress and and that's so that's dangerous for us like as individuals and that's dangerous for that's dangerous for for the church as well because i mean i believe as much if not more than anybody that we absolutely need to honor and remember the legacy of the people who who pioneered and who who trailblazed and made it possible for us to have the progress that we have now. But I think that if you could talk to those people, they they would not have any problem with the progress because that was the vision that they had. That was the reason that they did pioneer and trailblaze was because they weren't afraid of progress. Yeah. The caveman who discovered fire <laughs> did not discover fire by accident. The caveman who discovered fire, or cavewoman, who discovered fire, (laughs) did it because they were willing to go where lightning was striking and see what happened. Or go, or be the first person to to hit two rocks together just to see what would happen. Yeah. And I'm sure there were crowds of people saying, don't do that's not, like, that's not the way that we do things. But there was somebody who was like, I just want to see what will happen. And that's where progress came from. Staying rooted to one place is, we'll never move forward. Yeah.
I've literally taken so many notes. <laughs> what I was thinking about while you were talking is also my tendency to hang on to what I have so tightly that I don't have open hands for what the Lord would like to give me. Yeah. Um, things don't get better without change either. No. So. But it's is... okay. It's okay. That's the thing though, is it's okay to hold on to the things that you have, but it's, I, I, I don't know like the right metaphor for it, but mm-hmm. you got to figure, you just have to figure out a way to like put all of those things into a, into a suitcase that you're, <laughs> that you <laughs> hold on to so that your hand is still, still free, yes. but you can, but yeah, it's, yeah. You don't want to let go of or forget those things because they're part of who you are. They're part of your story, and that's important. Yeah. But let other things become part of your story, too. Yeah. Expand the narrative. All right. Yeah. Speaking of stories, book recommendations. Okay, book really recommendations. Quickly. All right. So a a lot because I have... <laughs> Because I've gotten, I, I'm on a, a really big classics kick right now. Okay. So the my most recently finished, and which I absolutely recommend because it's absolutely hilarious, is a Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Okay. By Mark Twain. Okay. Uh, it it's so funny. Mark Twain. Mark <laughs> Twain is a genius. He's brilliantly sarcastic. Um, other than that, I uh, also just recently read a book called um, The Wisdom of Walt. Okay. So it's by a a guy who teaches the only course on um the only accredited course at any college in the country on Disney history. So they call him Dr. Disney. Um but his name uh, I can't remember his name right now, but it's called The Wisdom of Walt and then it's got a companion volume called Beyond the Wisdom of Walt. Okay. And he uh, he kind of just gets a lot from um from Walt Disney and just different ways that he that he did business different ways that he thought and how we can, how those can apply in life. So those are interesting. Okay. And then the Bible, everyone should always read the Bible. Oh, thank you. Thank <laughs> God someone finally said that. And we've acknowledged the Bible on yes. the he said, she said podcast. How would I say that in French again? Il a dit, elle a dit. <laughs> okay. I'm not even going to try. Yeah. You could try. You could, you could say thank you. You could say merci d'avoir écouté. Il a dit, elle a dit. <laughs> celui avec des livres et des potes. <laughs> now you're just showing off, so we're going to sign off. Thank you so much for being here tonight. Yeah. No problem. May we be Snow White Servant, Cinderella Kind, Jasmine Determined, Moana Strong, Merida Brave, Ariel Adventurous, Pocahontas Passionate, Aurora Graceful, Jasmine Stubborn, Belle Bookish, and Tiana Ambitious. With the unapologetic power of Elsa, as we interact with the world through the unbridled enthusiasm of Anna. May we call out the king we see inside of our men with the clarity and conviction of Nala. May we learn to embrace change with the understanding that our possible future does not negate our past. And may we all be better together. You've been listening to He Said, She Said, where whether we actually got around to discussing any books or chatting with any bros or not, we are, now and always, so glad you stopped by to listen. We hope your time here cemented the truth found in the best book ever written and deepened your relationship with a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Thank you for pressing play. Thank you for making space. We'll catch you next week, same time, same place.